Hello, everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa curry and I am here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There is so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 150 of the Elisa Unfiltered Podcast. My name is Elisa, and today it is Wednesday, February 1st, 2023. On the show today, I'm speaking to my good friend, Tara Portelli. I am so excited for this conversation. Y'all are going to love it. She is a certified natural health practitioner, a certified clinical hypnotist, a primary care paramedic, and a psilocybin guide. Yes, she was my guide this past summer when I did my macro dose. (laughs) And her most recent accomplishment, why she's here, what we were talking about today, amongst other things, is she is now the author of the book, Nude, saying a beautiful goodbye to who you thought you were and stepping into who you truly are. Huh. Her book, I loved it. I binge read it is the ultimate unraveling of the conditioned mind from childhood trauma, PTSD, life as a paramedic, toxic relationships. She also was in Haiti after the 2010 earthquakes in the devastation of that country, helping people from all of that, all the way to healing and finding purpose, unconditional love, and a path forward of personal growth, development, and compassion. Her book, Nude, strips away the idea, all of the ideas, I should say, plural, (laughs) that she had attached to in her early life and, and has created a new path forward for herself and devoted her life using her personal and career experiences to helping others overcome their own traumas. She is such a beautiful human inside and out and has now become the founder of Arcadia Healing Sanctum, which is a psilocybin and emotional healing center for the mind, body, and spirit in Mexico. (laughs) Yeah, you're all going to want to go there and see her after this after this episode trust me now i had the privilege of working with her through my psilocybin macrodose healing journey michael as well it happened this past summer and in this episode we're going to talk about that as well as break down some of the key lessons of the book however i do really encourage y'all to support her get the book the link is in the show notes here and you can uh, all the links to find her if you want to work with her if you want to buy the book follow her on Instagram, will be in the show notes. This episode is also for anyone who is looking for answers in their lives, who 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 know that they want more for themselves, but they feel lost and alone and uncertain and hard things feel ultimately very hard. It's also for anyone who's interested in microdosing psilocybin, looking for support or who is in their healing journey. Let's go. I get so jazzed when people decide to think outside the box and move into unknown territory in their lives and make it better. So this is where the real magic happens. Right. And with that, here is our wonderful guest today. Here is Tara Portelli. Hey, Tara, welcome back to the show. (laughs) Thank you. I'm happy. Okay. Uh, the last time I saw you face to face was this summer when you guided Michael and I through our psilocybin journey. And I can't even tell you how much you have impacted me in like the most profound ways. You're such a bright light in this world. So I'm so happy that you're on the show again. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, no, I feel like, um, I, I had a, a feeling that you would really have an amazing experience in the medicine. So I'm glad to hear that it was effective for you. I'm still integrating. Is that like normal? Very. Yeah. Yeah. It takes time. I think that, and that's part of the process that I feel like people don't really understand. It is a, an ongoing process integration and that, you know, psilocybin is just a tool and you're, your real journey starts after you finish the medicine. 
Right, which is like a very interesting thing to comprehend. So just for listeners who haven't listened to the first podcast that we did together, you um, shared an ama- your amazing journey with finding psilocybin and how it completely shifted your life. And through that, you wrote a book. You just finished the book. Um, the book kind of starts before the experience and ends kind of with the experience, right? Like you, yeah. you talk a little, yeah. Um, and now you host retreats, you work with the medicine with psilocybin, which is quote unquote magic mushrooms and help people to describe what, what, what do you think happens? What's the biggest takeaway of what you do? I think it helps people to, um, expand their mind and their consciousness to see the world through a new lens and also to amplify the authentic self outside of the ego and Mm. to feel connected to everything around you. I think as a generalization, I can say that consistently that's what people would experience. However, everybody's experience in the medicine is very unique to them. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's very well said. Much better than I could. I was like, how do I describe this? And it's because, <laughs> I mean, I, I've experienced with microdosing. We've had the the founders of Vellum Health on the show. We, I, I'm a huge advocate of it. And of course, my macrodose. So my big experience with it with you was definitely a kickstart. And I've said this before. There's like a Lisa before psilocybin and there's a Lisa after psilocybin. And it's exactly that. It's the connection. But it's so interesting how like the experience in itself was wild. It was absolutely <laughs> wild. I can't. I don't think I've talked about this, but like, remember, I was like freaking out. <laughs> yeah, I think I held your hand for the last part of the ceremony. <laughs> Yes. And at the beginning, I was like, I wanted out. I was, I got scared. Remember? And I was like, um, I, I had to go to the bathroom a hundred thousand. I kept thinking I had to pee. I was trying to distract myself. I was doing all of the things to distract myself from seeing what I needed to see. And I was bossing you around. (laughs) Do you remember that? Yeah. You're like, get me a snack. I need food right now. Uh, however, like I was very high and I didn't, uh, not that that's an excuse or a reason, but I was so high in that moment that I had no idea how, uh, how I behave when under duress. Like I wasn't able to observe myself. I was just react. I was going through the motions, the automatic things that I do to distract myself from discomfort. So it was really uncomfortable. And so I eat. I learned that I eat in discomfort. I learned that all of these, I, I would like to boss people around. I want to control them. I go to the bathroom. I like just take my, try to take myself out of the situation. It was really interesting. And you had this brilliant way of just really allowing me to have that, those excuses and subtly guiding me towards, uh, what I was, what was really happening and showing me what was really happening. It was like, I remember you just, I think you held my hand and I think you just reminded me of why I was here. And it was almost like the blinds, like the, the veil lifted. And I was like, I get it. And then I was able to get into the three hours of whatever, laughing my head off and having this wild experience. (laughs) Yeah. I think, you know, it was interesting your experience because, and this happens for a lot of people. It's like, you're almost in a way resisting the letting go of, of the comfortable place that you're used to being in, in that version of you, you know, it's this comfortable it's a narrative. It's how you show up. Like you said, like, this is how you, you know, you distract yourself with food and other things. And so it's like, you're just kicking and screaming, Mm -hmm. almost saying like, I don't want to let this version of me go because this is where I'm comfortable, but you're actually, you're, you're finding a way to break through that version of you to then be like, Oh my God, how did I, you know, how did I show up like that? And why was I so focused on these things? Because life is so much more than we even realize. And 
Yes. And that's the beautiful thing about the medicine. It's the expansion of your consciousness and understanding of your human experience. That's exactly it. And once like the letting go happened, it was this um, sense of ease and at peace. And then I became, I became aware that I was one with everything. It was a really interesting thing. Do a lot of people have that experience? That same sort of like aha moment in the medicine? Yes. And I think it's interesting because a lot of people feel very isolated in their emotions mm. and their, you know, and their suffering. Mm. But when we, when we come to this place, we're like, actually we're all connected and there is a connection between everything around us. It kind of dissolves that, that illusion of feeling separate from everything and being isolated. And it can be such a comforting feeling. And that's why I love psilocybin because it's like a very nurturing medicine. It's very loving and, you know, compared to some of the other medicines that are a little bit stronger, so. Mm-hmm. And so the integration part, just to sort of wrap this up, I find it so interesting how, because I didn't understand what integration was. And for anyone listening, when you take a high dose of psilocybin, even when you're microdosing, when you're working with this medicine and you're connecting to yourself at a deeper level, even microdosing, you it's almost like you're getting downloaded from something. It's almost like you're talking to <laughs> a higher consciousness and and the most profound thoughts come into your mind. Now this did happen before psilocybin as well. Don't get me wrong. I would be, you know, in meditation or walking and connecting to nature in a flow state and I would have these ideas and these inspirations. However, post psilocybin, the clarity, the words, the choice, the cuz words matter, the way that I communicate to myself and the things that come into my mind, they feel just so much deeper and richer and more connective. And you almost forget about all the bullshit happening in the world and all the politics and the hate and the divide and the binary thoughts. And like, I open my phone and there's petitions to get people, you know, banned and hate and hate and hate and think like me or else like all of that just goes away and it's so refreshing. It's like the most refreshing thing. Sorry, my dog. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> we love dogs. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's interesting because we just realized that like, life is so much bigger than we realize. That, you know, our purpose here is so much bigger than we realize. And so we get so caught up in these little tiny things that we think that we can control Mm -hmm. and it's like once you break out of that it's almost like you're like the next level up in a sense like this is like the bottom level of humanity and they're all like fighting each other and there's hate and all these things that you're talking about and then it's like now you're up here and you're just like why are you guys wasting all your time doing that down there you know so you kind of get this other place this higher version of you and it's a layer and that's the way I feel psilocybin works it's like um you're on the next layer of yourself, you know, and, and you can only continuously go up. And so the integration process is exploring that layer of you and really understanding it and feeling into it and like recalibrating yourself um, with the world in this new way of thinking about things. And one of the most loving aspects of it is that the layer, yes, like you're, I do feel uh, that I've gone deeper into who I am, but not at the cost of judging others who aren't, not at the cost of this superiority, I'm more powerful than you, I'm better than you ideologies that people acquire in that are in reality very insecure forces. They're they're not a powerful, secure force, which is what I feel in myself versus that that egoic superiority. And, and that's where I think a lot of people mistake what personal power is, what, what becoming conscious is, what deepening their self-awareness is. It's not being better than, it's going deeper within or connecting deeper. Would you agree? Yeah, I think it's, 
you know, they say it's, um, it's kind of dissolving your ego, Mm -hmm. you know, so I think we use our egos to protect ourselves. And so when we don't feel that true connectedness or that true expansion of consciousness, that it's something that we want. So it's a thought, it's what we think it would feel like when we actually feel it through the medicine and afterwards, it's almost like you realize that your ego doesn't always need to be, um, in charge, you know, you can kind of use it like Mm. to, you know, in a powerful way. I don't know if that answers your question, but I think like, no, yeah, it's kind of an abstract concept to wrap your head around. But (laughs) that's my, cause I feel like, you know, it's like, I'm like you, like, I'm not looking below me being like, well, you know, judging. It's Mm -hmm. just like, you can just get, you would feel so much better if you just spent more time up here. You know, Mm -hmm. if you could just feel this feeling of, and I really think it's all to do with the feeling of love and openness. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that we, we close ourselves off to the rest of the world and each other and protecting ourselves. But if we could just open up our hearts and that's what psilocybin does, it's very open and it's connection. And and that's what I find a lot of people feel because they've isolated themselves so much in their own pain. And when they can feel this openness with their hearts, it's like, you're okay. You're going to be okay. You know, and even if you are alone, you're still going to be okay. I I think some of the fear that goes along with that is that people believe that they are open already or that, or that they are already connected to themselves. That's what I felt. I, I thought I was like in a really high vibrational state, which maybe I was, that doesn't matter now. Now I get it. Um, but that was like a reason why I wouldn't do it. Cause I just don't need it. I'm fine. And do you find that with people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think. And that's your ego. And that's your yeah. ego. <laughs> and that's, that was my experience as well. I never, I never ever looked for psilocybin. It found me and, and I thought it was fine. I didn't need it until I went into the experience and I'm like, Oh wow, I really needed this. Cause it's like, <laughs> we just talked about before this podcast, like you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what the feeling, you don't know you can feel better until you can, you feel better. It's like you're eating bad all the time and then you finally start eating good. It's like, Oh wow. I could have just felt like this all the time versus how I felt there. Right. So it's the same kind of, idea. And the human mind has such sophisticated, complex rationale to keep you in the loop that you think you know everything about yourself. And that's what keeps you stuck. And that's why you're looping, looping, looping. And something like psilocybin is going to snap you right the hell out of that shit. So hardcore. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, it just breaks through. Like that's what, that's what the studies are showing. It's showing it's rerouting neural pathways in the brain. And so always when I work with people, I, I think, like, I share with them, I'm like, well, what are you going to do with those new pathways now? Are you going to recreate these old thoughts? Mm. Are you going to recreate this new version of yourself, you know, this higher version of you and, like, step into that power and start living your life from that place? So you work with, you've worked with many, many clients in the last couple of years. Are you, does ever, what's your, what's your, um, I don't like success rate, but what's the rate at which people have a profound experience? I would say um, 95% of people. Okay. And on different levels. Sure. Depending on why they're coming. But, you know, some people are just coming because they've already started their own process and they're just wanting to expand themselves. But then there's some people that have, you know, they're just touching on it. And this becomes like a very huge catalyst to the next layer of themselves so it's it really depends and would you say the five percent that maybe doesn't have a profound experience are they super blocked or or did they have some did something bad happen (laughs) i would honestly say they're really blocked and i've noticed a correlation between um the preconditioning so for example, mm. somebody that's taught to control their environment, maybe somebody that works in emergency services or somebody that's, you know, in a profession where it's very ego based. Um, like, I feel like those are the people that are really just so attached to their ego and are afraid to be vulnerable because they're protecting themselves. Mm. So those are the people that really struggle to surrender to the medicine and then they're blocked. But with that said, because it's doing physical changes to the brain that they're still going to be 
a change in mm. the behavior moving forward or how they see feel, even if they didn't experience a psychedelic experience in the medicine. Mm-hmm. That's so fat. It is so interesting how it works after you, after afterwards. <laughs> like, I I I had that experience especially with ayahuasca. Like they say, ayahuasca can integrate up to a year afterwards. Get out. And, yeah, and it was interesting for me in my ayahuasca journey because in the medicine I didn't actually have any like mind blowing experience. Okay. Um, but it was afterwards stripping me down to the point where I was like basically had zero confidence and then it built me back up again but as the new version of me so it's really really interesting experience do you recommend ayahuasca I I can't say that it was my favorite medicine or that I felt like I had like I guess I did have a profound journey after in the integration process but the actual medicine itself I wouldn't I wouldn't, I didn't like it personally. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody has a different experience and that's the hardest part is like sometimes we right. hear about these life-changing journeys that people have in medicine like ayahuasca, but we don't know how many times did they have to do ayahuasca before they got to that point, you know? Right. So I only had the one experience. Maybe if I had more, maybe it would be a different experience altogether. Maybe I would connect with that, like that really loving piece that comes over time, I think. That has to that has to be the same with psilocybin. Like Michael and I, we were with the same guide. We did the same ceremony. We're at the same place at the same time. Took the same dose, and had two polar opposite experiences. Yeah, and that's really like where you're at in your own process. Right. Yeah. So right. It depends. Like if you're open, more open. If you're more connected with yourself, I really do feel like it is a lot of energy work like I think yeah that it depends like where your chakras are blocked and, and I think that there's a like a lot of process you can do to prepare for an experience like psilocybin now you are in Mexico you're doing retreats you do like three day five day what kind of retreats are you doing um I was doing three and five day retreats but I'm now focused more on the five day because I do feel like doing two um, medicine journeys is it's more effective. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So here in Mexico and, and yeah, just doing really small, like two or three people. Um, the most I would work with would probably be up to a group of six potentially with someone else to support me. Um, but yeah, so just keeping it very small and intimate and that way you can get a lot deeper into the work and the experience. Okay, so anyone that's curious in doing psilocybin with a guide, you're I'm I'm recommending everyone to you. I recommend microdosing for sure, uh, but it's it's different. It's not the same. Can you sort of talk about the differences really quickly before we get into the book? Yeah, um, well, obviously microdosing is a very small amount compared to a macrodose. Yeah, and so you're not getting. Um, the cognitive changes that happen in the psychedelic experience, you still can function. You, maybe you feel a little more focused. Depending how sensitive you are, you might feel a little bit different. Um, but actually, on, um, like in the brain, it's doing different things. So um, they've shown that microdosing causes the brain to grow new neurons. Mm. And so when you're growing new neurons, essentially you're increasing your capacity to be more intelligent or like to expand your mind or to tap into things that maybe you wouldn't be otherwise so um yeah so that'd be the the biggest difference as well as obviously not having a a mystical experience however I think the more sensitive you become you can actually have some experiences similar to macrodose at least for me like I could take 150 to 200 milligrams versus a macrodose, which would be like anywhere from 1.8 to beyond um, grams to have what, you know, communication with whatever's around us. So, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. I, I feel you. I did a 500 mil, like a half a gram. And this was before the snow <laughs> fell here in Ottawa. And I went outside on my lawn chair and just like was talking to the grass. <laughs> 
which kind of oh, feels, yeah? which kind of feels crazy. I didn't have any psychedelic experience, but I, it was kind of windy and the grass was kind of flowing and I just felt one and I was rooting myself into the earth and rooting myself up into the universe. And it was just like two hours of just relaxing, but also feeling at peace, which how often do we give ourselves the gift of nothingness of peace and quiet and connection. Probably I would say 1% of the listeners of this show might do that. And I'm, and that's not a bad, I'm not judging people. It's just so not ingrained in our culture anymore. We just don't do these things anymore. We're, we're always so distracted by our screens and by other people's opinions. And like social media is turning our brains into this hyperactive, I don't know, computer, supercomputer that is completely disconnected from the point of human, the human race. And now some would argue that this is how humans evolve. Putting a chip into your brain is the way a human evolves. Doing a neural link or whatever, because that's kind of scary, but I'm really interested in that too. I'm not sure how I feel about any of these advancements, but like we are sort of like cyborgs. We have a phone attached to our hip 100% of the time. You know, a lot of people can't even sit with themselves for 10 minutes without looking at their phone or distracting themselves in some way. And that's what the medicine really showed me was like the ways in which I distract. It's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. It's very, like, I feel like it is really interesting. And it's also, yeah, we're constantly needing a stimulus outside of ourselves. And then, you know, the moment that we sit and we're like, we have that moment to be silent or to, you know, potentially meditate or to be connected with nature. It's like, we're thinking about the next thing. Mm-hmm. We're not actually sitting in that place. But like, if you actually spent more time in that place being bored, then you would actually tap into your creativity a little bit more. They say your most creative ideas come when you're bored. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's interesting that you only took 500 milligrams and you had that experience where maybe you were planning on working that day. Like sometimes you have to be prepared that if you're going right. to take a high dose of a microdose, you gotta you got to set some time aside because you're just going to be like in this flow state, feeling connected to everything. And you have to take some time, you know, to be just in that space, though. So. Love it. Okay. So before your experience with psilocybin, your life looked a lot different than it does today. And you wrote about it in this amazing book. It's called Nude, uh, saying a beautiful goodbye to who you thought you were and stepping into who you truly are. Now I had the privilege of reading this in an advanced copy and it was, it was kind of a binge read for me. I mean, sure, we're, we're friends and yeah. I, I was curious about a lot of things and I was reading it as a pre-read, but it was hard to put down because A, you're a wonderful writer. So congratulations on becoming an author. This is your first book. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. It was, uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. And, and it's, it's interesting to see because... I got to know you as I got to know you as more uh, as a more healed version. That sounds so bad. I don't know how to say it, but like you've come a long way. You've had a lot of bumps in the road and you have a, a lot of history and generational trauma and experiences that are in some people's minds completely unforgivable. And you have transformed your life so tell us a little bit about the book what inspired you to write it and and take us a little bit on the journey um so I was inspired to write the book during the pandemic so it was our first lockdown and I thought you know of course everybody wants to write a book and I'm like (laughs) well it's either now or never and I had already kind of written out a loose outline of a book if I was going to create one what that would look like and for some reason, I really felt called to tell my story because I know I've had a lot of interesting experiences in my life um, that have, I've made, I've kind of persevered and maybe some people wouldn't have made it through those. So yeah, um, in such a, a strong way, I guess, and with so much wisdom. 
you know? So I felt called to write the book. I started writing it during the first lockdown. Um, all in all, I guess it took me, what, two and a half years to complete. Um, so the book really is about um, just going through our, our journey from, you know, young adulthood. So starting in your young, tw- your, you know, 20s, um, how we're conditioned. Mm. So how we're conditioned to fit into this almost like perfect little box where we're like, okay, so after you finish high school, you go to post-secondary and then like around your mid-20s, you know, you have to start thinking about children and you have to think about marriage and, you know, all these things. And then you have to think about your career. And, and so it's this progression that we kind of all go through that it's almost like an expectation that we're going to follow the same blueprint through our lives. And we're going to come to this place where we're going to be happy. It's like there's an end goal, right? It's going to be happy with, you know, a life partner, with children or a career. And for me, um, I I feel like I looked at my life like a Cinderella story. Like I was always looking for that perfect person to share my life with. And what it translated into was a lot of failed relationships. And it was because I was ignoring my intuition it was, I was naive, um, you know, I, I didn't really see, I didn't really see the truth of the situation, and so the book kind of shows the evolution of myself through this naive, young, you know, free spirit to then becoming this close-hearted, you know, have been through a lot of pain, and then the opening back up through my experiences now in Mexico with the medicine and my journey. So, um, so I wanted to use the book as kind of this guide, hopefully that people could see their own story in my story. Um, Mm -hmm. but also to show like how, when the things that happen to us that feel, you know, like they're, we're at our worst, it's like, that is your opportunity to grow, to expand, maybe to change directions. You know, when you, when you have like a devastating breakup, that this is this is your time to grow and, and then showing that growth in my book so I show how you know those dark times there's a reason for them from a spiritual perspective that life is duality it's darkness and light and that we're going to consistently go through darkness and light through our lives and once we accept that and realize instead of looking at that time as like oh you know this is bad luck or like this I'm not enough for mm. this person or what you know why is this happening to me instead of looking at it like I wonder what's next what where is the universe taking me now you know where am I being guided to obviously this wasn't meant for me so you know Wayne Dyer would say congratulations you lost your job or congratulations that relationship ended because you know this is this is your um rerouting your path maybe back to alignment with your higher self and in the path you're meant to be on This book really is a book on relationships, relationships to others and relationships to yourself. And through adversity, really give the reader an inside. It's very vulnerable and inside to the way you're actually thinking. Being vulnerable is extremely difficult, especially when you are in hard situations. We want to protect ourselves from from perhaps disappointing other people or having them judge us or maybe even making others uncomfortable. However, inside our minds, like this is kind of a sneak peek inside your mind as you're learning about yourself and your relationships. And I do like how you do talk about your relationships and the things that stay constant, that get in the way, that always end in a certain way. And then the relationships where you choose differently, where you realize, oh, this is that again. What am I going to do now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there is this almost aha moment where you're like, I can't do that again. I've done that like 10 times before. Like it's time <laughs> to start changing this pattern. And you recognize the pattern and you're like, okay, I see it now. And you're starting to tune into your intuition. And I do think it is a process of trusting yourself. Yes. Um, and, and also I think it is the journey back to you, to who you truly are outside of this conditioning that I mentioned before, um, you know, that's 
society and family and everything, all these constructs, how they condition us. It's like, well, who are you really? Like, who are you really? Are you really that? Are you really your career? Are you really like, you know, the mother or the father of your children? Well, who are you really? Like, who is, you know, who's, who are you? Like, it's, it's this path back to ourselves and then it's loving that version of ourselves. Mm. And that's the hardest part. You know, it's really acceptance of ourselves in all the darkness and the light of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Who are you without that label? Who are yeah. you without that story that you're constantly in? Who are you without your victimhood to protect you, without the diagnosis to protect you, without all of these things that we give so much meaning to we attach so much meaning to the story that we get lost in it and that's like kind of the beautiful thing about this uh book which you say saying a beautiful goodbye with who you thought you were tell tell us a little bit about that process of 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 the letting go well it didn't come easily obviously (laughs) it was uh the most painful experience I've ever been through Mm -hmm. um so I would say it was the dissolving of my very short-lived marriage Mm -hmm. um to my seven-year-long partner relationship um because it was at that moment that I had to choose myself first and I never did that before I always gave myself away to others I gave away my power I sacrificed myself Mm -hmm. to make other people happy and in the meantime, I was losing myself one day at a time. And so I talk a little bit about this in the book. And, you know, and there's just this this experience that happened in my marriage near the end that um, opened up my eyes and was like, I can't do this for the next however many years of my life. These are my good years. And I, I'm with a partner at the time who wasn't ready to do the work for themselves. So I was growing and they were stuck. And so it was like this, um, we weren't aligned anymore. And so it was at that point, I was like, I have to let this person go so that I can move on in my path and they can, they can figure their path out. And so that's exactly what happened. And so I think that was the most pivotal moment and in the change in direction for me that opened me up and expanded me. Those till death do us part conditioned beliefs, those, you know, uh, accept your choices, accept who they are, love unconditionally, those types of things are, are really interesting in this dissolve when you really learn unconditional love for yourself. And that's the journey that you take us on here is you really start to show up for yourself in a different way. And I think so many people will relate to this because especially women, I was just talking about this on a recent podcast about the good girl conditioning, how to be a good girl, follow the rules, you know, make, make them happy, sacrifice yourself. Don't show your anger, suppress your feelings and your emotions, suck it up, be there for your man, get the house, get the job. And I think you said something really interesting earlier about if you follow this, you will be happy. And then one day you're sitting there and you're like, I followed this and I'm not happy. (laughs) Because you're so disconnected from yourself. Like happiness does not exist outside of yourself. And I think that's, that's the false notion that we've been taught. It's like, it's not, it's not the person in your life. It's not the things, it's not your children. It's not any of those things. Like it's not your career. It's your happiness is, is a state of being inside of ourselves that we can connect to at any time. If we just choose it, you know, we have to be okay with the times that we struggle and know that it's part of our own process and our own growth. And and I think that if we can tune into that understanding, then we can feel we can feel that what we expect to be happiness. You mentioned that you ignored your intuition. That was a big part of the unraveling. Can you give us some examples of what that looked like in your life? Yeah, I feel like when you meet somebody and you want to start a relationship with them, but the first thing that you tell yourself is that 
they have so much potential if only they would change these things about themselves, mm. you know, and then they start to show up as these red flags um, that ultimately that is probably going to be what ends the relationship. However, you know, yeah. at some point down so the road. It, mm-hmm. So it was knowing inside that this person had work to do, but that they weren't ready to. Um, and just accepting that that was okay ignoring the intuition and then continuing on in the relationship for however long to only come to the point where it's like the same thing in the beginning ends up being the same thing in the end that causes the destruction of the relationship. Do you think that in that process, you were able to recognize the ways that you needed to grow as well in the attracting of these people? 100%. Yeah. I do feel like, um, that, we do attract exactly what we need in our life um, to help us to grow. But it, it's like, it's a lesson. So if we don't learn the lesson and we keep repeating the pattern and attracting the same person into our life and not actually making the hard choices, um, then we're going to, it's just, a, it's not, we're not actually growing. We're just staying stuck and we're going to keep repeating that pattern. I have a question here. I'm just writing it down because I want to say this right. Okay. So learning the lesson. This is just something that's been really uh, brewing inside of me because oftentimes people who have gone through a spiritual awakening, some sort of awakening, some sort of huge event that has shook them and they've changed and they start doing things different and they plant new seeds and they make different choices. The advice is to learn the lesson. And I think as a, a common person, not a common person, that sounds so weird, but as like normal people growing up, we read books as kids that have like, and the moral of the story is, and here's the lesson to learn here. It's like, don't touch a hot stove, you know, don't whatever. Like there's a lesson that's like a one line. That's the lesson or the moral of the story. Do you think it's more complex than that? Because just as I'm trying to explain the lesson, sometimes it's unexplainable. It's just a feeling. Um, I think that, you know, I guess it really depends where you are in your process. Okay. In your life, on your spiritual journey, if you even believe in, in that there's something greater than this 3D reality. Yes. I think is really going to be... Um, it's really very personal. I can say for myself that um, one of my greatest teachers was Ram Dass. And one of the things that he says is that, you know, we've come to this human experience to learn something or to move through a process that is about healing our soul. You know, mm. so... You know, so for example, like somebody that comes here and has a mental health um, disorder and they have that struggle through their life, like that is their journey in this lifetime. And so he, he says in one of his lectures that, you know, when you graduate grade two, are you going to stay in grade two? So when he says that, he means like this lifetime. So when you've learned your lesson and you, you then it's time for you to exit. So it's like, you know, that lifetime is over for you because you've learned your lesson. So I look at like that concept of learning a lesson. Like when we get into relationships, those are our greatest teachers. Mm. Um, there is a book called um, Permission, uh, Permission to Put Yourself First by Nancy Levin. Okay. And so she talks a lot about relationships and how they mirror us and how they'll trigger us in certain ways that are exactly the way that we're meant to be triggered. So, for example, if we're feeling self-conscious about our bodies, that partner is going to be constantly, like, making comments about our body. And it's, it's you know, they're just the messenger. But mm. the work is actually internal. So that's what I, I, I personally feel about this concept of lessons. It's really interesting. Just reflecting back, I'm going to talk about my marriage. When I was in an abusive relationship, uh, someone who had no disrespect for me whatsoever, the lesson there for me was 
that I don't respect myself. I, so he abused me to the level in which I abused myself. I had no awareness of this at the time, but what kicks you out and what oftentimes triggers someone to leave is when the abuser abuses just above the level in which you do it to yourself, then you can see it. So you start to see it. So however, the lesson with Ken, like leaving him wasn't in disrespect for myself. I saw that and that was something I could change. But the lesson was that it ultimately for me, it was that the construct of marriage is bullshit. (laughs) Till death do us part is bullshit. You don't have to stay in a relationship if you don't want to. So like, I guess, and then I carry that as like a knowing it's deep inside of me that I, but I, I I don't know, I guess I'm describing it in words, but at the time the words weren't there. It was more of like a feeling. Yeah. You get to this feeling where you love yourself enough, whatever that level is, obviously it was very low at the time. To be like, I can no longer take this abuse. This is this is my threshold, and now it's time for me to choose myself. And you know, and by doing that, by choosing yourself and to end that marriage and to stop the abuse, it's like now you're tuning into this feeling that you know mm. you have more worth than you were shown. And then, like you said, like you're allowing this person to treat you that way which means how do you show up for yourself, right? You're not honoring yourself in that situation. Mm. No, you are, you aren't. Or perhaps you are in the observing of your own situation. There's so many people that are at, and I'd love to hear your experience about it because you you dip into this threshold where you're in situations and you are presented with choice and you almost choose to stay in. I think sometimes being a woman, we tolerate a lot more than, because we always want things to work out. You know, we don't want things to end. Um, I maybe I'm not speaking for men, but I think as a woman, I think that that is very common. So in that particular situation where I was involved with somebody who was showing signs that he was mentally unstable, you know, I should have ran away at that but I didn't Mm -hmm. and then I got myself into a situation which um which in the end uh was devastating Mm -hmm. and you need to read the book to figure that out to find out what happened (laughs) (laughs) yeah I don't want spoiler alerts here because it's so good like all of it I mean I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to you. I, I'm sort of taking the human out of it. I'm, I'm hearing it as a story, but it's a real life person. You really did have all these experiences and you really did shift yourself and, and grow and step up from the conditioning, the original narratives that you were taught how to be. It's funny because we don't see it like that. We don't see that we're domesticated beings. We don't see that we mirror the people and places and and, and it's not to judge our caretakers or our parents. They did their best, most likely. They were also conditioned. They're working in automation. They're just doing what they think that they're supposed to do. And we're absorbing it. We're watching it. We're learning from it. We're becoming who we think we are when really most people have no idea who they are. A hundred percent. Yeah, I think that, you know, we are just a condition. We are just a product of our conditioning and and there's no real like perfect way to be conditioned it's just a process, <laughs> yeah. you know like you can't you just you reproduce like it's a cycle and it's once you become the observer in that cycle that then you can step away and break the cycle but it takes a lot of um a lot of evolution within yourself and acceptance and also making really hard choices sometimes mm-hmm. and that are really uncomfortable that you have absolutely no idea how they're going to turn out in the end, but you just know that you can't continue on that path anymore. Do you like, find, do you find yourself in a place where you can make difficult choices much easier? Yes. I think they're never, they're never, you know, difficult choices are difficult choices. They still hurt the same. 
I think it's just this knowing now that if I make this choice for myself, that it's going to be okay because I've been there before and I know it was okay, you know, and I think it's just understanding that you're always going to be okay. You know, even, even when you don't think you are, you are going to be okay. That's something you told me after my journey was like, I was coming down from my thing. She's like, you said, um, now, you know that you're okay. And I was like, yep. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Because when you're in it, when you're in the experience and you're trying to break through that wall that you put up for yourself, Mm -hmm. it's like, you just don't know what's on the other side of it. You have absolutely no idea. It's like, you're, it's like a cliff. And you don't know how you're going to land. But mm-hmm. in the end, I think depending on what your experiences are, where you are in your process, when you believe that there's something bigger than us that's helping us and guiding us, then you feel a lot more support. And it's a little bit easier to trust and surrender mm. to that. Mm. So the book takes you from like what? Your early 20s to your mid, late 30s. Then you have the psilocybin experience, which you talk about in the first podcast here on Elisa Unfiltered. Do you talk about it in the book? I forget. A um, little bit? I do get into it a little bit. I don't think I do in the depths that we've spoken about it. But yeah. But yeah. you, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, and what's next for Tara Portelli? Well, I think that, you know, life is a journey and I, you know, I'm this version of me now, but Mm -hmm. I know that there's so much higher I can go. I still, I still have my struggles every day. I still have my doubts and my fears and they still show up, but I'm better at navigating them. I'm better at understanding them Mm -hmm. and, you know, and I can show up better now in my relationships with people, um, instead of this reactive version of me, now I can be like this objective version of me being like, I, this made me feel this way. And I understand why you're, it's not your fault. This is just like my conditioning. And I understand that you're just the messenger and I have to do this work on myself. And, and that's uncomfortable, but those are the conversations that you you can eventually start to have in your relationships that are very helpful. yeah. Yeah. I just got like, chills (laughs) it's it's this never stop learning mentality too and I think something just being your friend and knowing you for a couple of years is that your ability to and I think this is something I'm experiencing as well as like yeah sure shit hurts I still get myself into uncomfortable situations but I'm able to get out of them way faster I'm able to recognize the habit and the pattern and snap out of it and and move myself through difficult situations with a lot more confidence and compassion for the whole situation so like I don't know 10 years ago 15 years ago for me if someone said something it would ruin my entire day even my week, I would stew on it. I would have conversations like the next time I see this person, I'm going to say this, 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 and this, or, you know, and you have these conversations. Oh, I should have said that. Oh. And you have all these like really good comebacks and sticking it to them. Like, fuck you. Now it's like, oh, (laughs) there's that feeling. Let's, let's, let's take care of that. Let's sit with that and, and see where that's from. And then it's gone. I don't, my day's not ruined. I move on. It's like, I'm not yeah. going to take that shit personally. <laughs> right. Because you're more confident in yourself and, you know, you you have found this love for yourself that you probably didn't have before. That was, you know, you were looking for love from the outside and like external validation was important to you. And once you can really tune into like who you are, you know who you are, you know what you're capable of and you love yourself regardless then it really doesn't matter what other people think outside of that because, I mean, it's their their perception, right? So, mm. Mm. Yeah. And just to continue on with that, you're with the you're never stop learning thing that you said, I, you're never going to stop learning. That is, I don't know, that is so profound. And in that for you, you've attracted a lot of very powerful people into your life to teach you really cool things. Yeah, I've been very, very grateful and, like, lucky to... But 
is it luck though? I don't think it's luck. I think you're doing so much work and you're, Mm. and you're, you're embodying this self-acceptance and love and people are attracted to that. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. I think, yeah, I think that, you know, you, what you put out to the world is what you're going to get back. And I, and I see that even in myself, this version of me. I see the day that I wake up and from the moment I wake up, things start going bad. And then I get in that, that flow state of like, everything's not working out for me. Mm-hmm. And then the worst thing happens. And then I'm like, oh yeah, that was because I was in that state of mind. And that, that's what I was attracting to myself. So for example, I'll just share with you the other day. I was, um, I had this day where I, I wasn't feeling good. I was battling myself. Um, I was feeling anxious. I was feeling fearful. I had self doubt and I was like, I'm going to go to the beach to make myself feel better. So I can go back to like feeling good. So I went up to the beach on my little scooter. I got to the beach. I parked it where everybody parks their scooters. And I came back an hour later and my scooter was gone. Mm. And then I was laughing thinking, okay. And, you know, it's interesting because before I left my scooter, I was like, I should really take, like, all of my things out of the scooter just in case it's not here when I get back. Oh, so so you knew. You knew it was coming. (laughs) Yeah. So, anyway, so then, of course, I'm like, ah. So, I look like a, you know, I'm lost. And this is the cool thing about being here in Mexico. It's like, this guy rolls up on his motorcycle and he's like, hey, are you okay? And I was like, he's like, do you need a ride? I'm like, please take me to the police station. Somebody took they took my scooter because I knew they had taken it. And so, you know, I just hop on the back of the scooter with some random person. And then they're like, there you go. Thank you. Like, you know, it's a weird feeling here, but you feel a little bit more safe with the local culture right. to some degree. I mean, you have to use your due diligence. But um, so then I showed up at the police station. There's a lineup of tourists all got sand around their feet. They've been at the beach. They all got their scooters taken because a flatbed truck came up and scooped them all up. And I see my flat the flatbed truck and my scooter sitting in the middle. And I'm just like, go up to the guy. And I'm like, how much do you want? Just give me my scooter back. And he's like, no, it doesn't work like that, you know. And then I go inside and line up. And, and it was such a process to get the scooter back. It took me two days oh. and a lot of money. And this is just. Why did they take it? Well, they just, it's, everybody needs to get paid. So the police get paid and then the private company that takes the scooter needs to get paid. So it's, and then the taxi driver has to take you to this, you know, the yard where they take the scooter, which is half an hour out of town has to get paid. So it's just a trap. It's just a trap where they steal from you in this roundabout way. Well, it's high season. This is their opportunity to make money. And I mean, you know, Mm. in their defense, I mean, the, they don't, like a civil servant doesn't make a lot of money, you know? So to, to the culture, we we're, we come here with a lot of money and we, you know, it's time for us to pay our tax. So it's, it's a, you pay your, your local tax to be in this country. And that happens. And it's, it's, they call it the corruption fund. So we gotta have it. The corruption <laughs> fund. Okay. As lo- at least yeah. they're calling it what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, and it's, it's just you accept what it is and uh, but the you know in in the end the point of the story was that I knew my vibration was low and I was trying to get it back to a better place and and then the next day you know after I get into my retreat and you know I'm back in my flow it's like then all the good things are happening to me again so it's like you can actually witness yourself you know and the attract the point of attraction you know this law of attraction they talk about yeah. It's like, whatever you put out is coming back to you. So you got to be careful what you're thinking about. So how do you get over the lowness? Like what changed it for you? Because you, sure, you, I think oftentimes people will try something. Like you said, you tried to get it up. You went to the beach and it turned into this like completely horrific, draining, money sucking, energy sucking experience, which is still low vibrational. So like, what do you have to say for the people that try and don't necessarily shift it in that moment? Just honestly keep trying. Just tune yep. into like what makes you feel good. You know, what is it that you do in your day or that you can do that can bring you to this place of like bliss, 
So for example, like if you really enjoy sitting outside in your backyard with a coffee and listening to the birds, then do that. Or if you really enjoy like if you're playing, playing an instrument or being at the beach or being in nature, like just go do those things and bring yourself back to the state of bliss and remembering like how it feels to feel good again. And, and by doing that and removing yourself from whatever the situation is, you can bring yourself back, you know? I can't, I can't believe the time. I want to just ask you before we go, this has been amazing. I want to ask you if you have anything else you would like to add about this book or about your life or your journey. I think that the other thing I would like to say, like just about the book um, and my experience in my life is that I've also written the book through the lens of previously working as a paramedic. So, you know, I do talk about my experience in Haiti uh, when yeah. the 2010 earthquakes happened and just the contrast of under the contrast of suffering between what we consider suffering in North America versus suffering in a developing country, you know. And so and then I think that it's important information because it doesn't really matter where, who you are, what walk of life you've come from, you know, where you live geographically, what your circumstances are economically. Um, in the end, the feeling is the same, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's important to remember that we are all suffering to some degree and to start to see ourselves in other people and have compassion. And I think that we separate ourselves you know, from others, or we sit there and we say, oh, well, my issues aren't that big because, you know, this person is going through so much more, but I think it's all relative to our experience. Mm -hmm. Again, what you don't know is what you don't know. What you haven't experienced is what you haven't experienced. So, um, so I think that that specific chapter is important. It's very important. It's very good. And in, in that people also say things like, I'm suffering way more than you. So that you still other yourself in a different way. Instead of minimizing your suffering, we also amplify it in certain situations to, to victim signal, to get people. It's almost like a manipulation. It's very interesting. I'm seeing it a lot more these days, the victim signaling. Yeah, no, for sure. I mm -hmm. think, I think we get attached to this victim, this victim mm -hmm. mentality, right? Because it, it's our identity mm -hmm. in some ways because we don't really know who we are. Mm -hmm. But once we can really connect with that version of us, then I think that we can let that go, you know? And I think that, you know, I think I know I've been through it and experienced it and, and through the medicine it's helped me. So, um, but also it's interesting because I think that a lot of times we you know, we show up every day and we talk about suffering and healing and suffering and healing. But what if this is what life is, you know? And that's what the Buddhists believe. It's like, you know, no mud, no, mud, no lotus. So why don't we turn the narrative around and maybe not look at it as suffering, but look at it as our evolution. Mm. And it's our, you know, by going through these experiences in our life, we're gaining wisdom. Mm. and that we are becoming more powerful and more stronger versions of ourselves and to let go of the suffering which again will bring us back to this idea that we're a victim but that you know that we mm. all come from some form of experience that was not pleasant in our lives we're mm -hmm. all going to go through that so you know so let's let's just be compassionate for each other and just you know, move through our lives and try to find as much joy and enjoyment as possible. I love that. I love that. Okay, where can people get the book? Um, so it's available online, um, paperback, uh, e. I think it's like a Kindle version, so you can get it on Amazon, Balboa Press, Barnes and Noble online. Um, so those are the three major. And, and how can people connect with you? Like whether they love your book, they want to DM you, they want to go on a psilocybin retreat in Mexico. How, how can we get a hold of you? Um, so my, I, my Instagram is nude mushroom. 
Mm-hmm. And so you can connect with me there. You can DM me there, or you can go on the website, which is arcadiahealing.ca. And that's where you can find more information about um, any of the retreats that we're having or that are going on and how to connect, how to put in your application and go through the process. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, Everyone grab the book and I'll link all of these things in the show notes. Thank you for having me. It's been an amazing conversation. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Okay. Until next time. Okay, I'm over here giving you a big virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Elisa Unfiltered podcast. If you haven't done so yet, I'd love for you to share the love and head over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify and give this show a five-star rating. I'll give you bonus points for leaving a written review. And if you're looking for more, head over to elisaunfilteredcoaching.com for show notes and all the links to all things Elisa Unfiltered. Have the best day, everyone. Until next time.